Hey, this is Kyle Papineau. I'm the pastor of Legacy Church in Orange County, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you and it helps you experience what God is doing in your life. Enjoy the message. I, uh, I've been reflecting back this week to uh, my younger years, my teenage years. Uh, in 1980, I got to go to the Super Bowl and I got to watch the Rams play against the Pittsburgh Steelers and lose again. So, uh, yeah, still haven't gotten over that loss yet. That was 1980, and I'm still bitter about it today. Um, Years ago, when I was a children's pastor, we used to have to basically kill some time uh, as the kids were coming in, because, you know, at any point, you know, these kids could team up together and have a coup, and uh, you're gone. Uh, And so, you know, we'd have, you know, I don't know, 80 kids or so, you know, that would come to children's church. And so one morning I just got up there and I just started talking to him. And I said, hey, you, you guys want to hear a stupid story about me? And he go, oh, yeah, yeah. So I told him some stupid story about me. And it kind of turned into a thing. And then the next week when, uh, when we were getting ready for children's church, some little kid blurted out, hey, do we get to hear any more stupid stories about Pastor Phil? It's like, well, I'm stupid enough. I've got, I've got a bunch of stories. So uh, would you guys like to hear a, sup- a stupid story about Pastor Phil? Okay, stupid story about Pastor Phil. Um, and this indirectly uh, ties into my sermon, but um, when I was 16 years old, I got my first job. My first job was working for, actually, for uh, Kevin Ivaro's uh, grandparents. Uh, they had bought a flower shop, and they hired me as a 16-year-old to be the delivery boy. And so, you know, I got to, you know, drive around in a, I think it's a 1964 VW Bug. You know, I would go to the gas station and could fill the thing up for $5 and give a change back to them. And it's like, wow, this is just another day. But this, this was like 1976. And I, my first job, I was making just big-time money. They were paying me $2 an hour, okay? And that was, man, that was, I, was, I felt good, you know? I was making 2 bucks an hour. I'm, I'm, I'm all that, you know? Uh, but this was back in 1976. No businesses, small businesses, had computers, Okay, there was no such thing as the internet. No one had even heard of what a cell phone was. Okay, so working in a flower shop, everything, all of the orders that you would get were done by the telephone. And from 8 to 6 o'clock, you had to pay peak rates to use the telephone to make long-distance calls. Okay, all of that is gone now. But that's the way business was done. So you were taught in business, move things quickly. You, you don't, hey, how are you? How's the weather there? No, none of that. Just get, get to the business, okay? And um, Kevin's grandfather was a tightwad, 
Okay, I, I, I can say that in, in, in front of him and knowing that uh, some of his family might be watching uh, online. But he, he, he was a tightwad. And so, you know, always, hey, Phil, you got, you got to keep those calls moving. Because, uh, you know, we're paying for every minute that you're on the phone when somebody wants to order flowers for Aunt Martha from New Jersey. And, you, you know, you've got to make that call. I've got to pay for it. So just keep it going. So that's what we did. So... In the flower business, you abbreviated everything to make the call shorter. So, like, Merry Christmas was not Merry Christmas. It was just MC. Okay, and you just, okay, Merry Christmas. So, uh, Happy BD was Happy Birthday, you know, and, and on and on it went. Uh, happy Mother's Day. So, then it came time for Valentine's Day. Anybody doing the math? happy VD. And so, you know, you would just say, okay, uh, happy VD. And it was like, ever since then, every year at Valentine's, I would always get a Valentine's Day call from Kevin's grandfather, wishing me a happy VD. And it was like, Okay, Pete, that just doesn't work. <laughs> but nevertheless, throughout my life until last year after uh, Pete passed away, uh, every year on, on Valentine's Day, either I would call him or he would call me and wish me or I would wish him a happy VD. So I want you to turn to the people nearby and just go ahead and wish them a happy VD right now, okay? Great, there you go. And there's your stupid story, meaning absolutely nothing. But really, uh, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. And isn't it interesting that Valentine's Day falls the day after the Super Bowl? It's like, guys, we get our day today. Girls, you get your day tomorrow, okay? So, uh, but hopefully, guys, you have remembered uh, that someone special in your life. Um, I know that uh, for me, um, I, where, where, there, there's the love of my life right there sitting in the back. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Okay, I actually have a little something for you right now, just a little pre-Valentine's Day. Yeah, go right ahead, Susie. Thank you. And just, yeah, just go ahead and get, give it to her. There you go, the rose for the love of my life. Uh, just, uh, you know, we've been married uh, in a couple of weeks. It'll be 36 years. And just, uh, uh, you know, to, to stick life out and to experience all the fun that we have had and, and just go through life together has just been, it's just been fantastic. Um, I know that this past week, Barbara sent uh, a package to her parents to just express love to them and sent them some seized chocolates. Now, you might think, okay, well, seized chocolates, okay. But in Arkansas, they don't have seized chocolates. And so when they get seized chocolates there, that, that's something good. So, you know, we, we, we sent some chocolates and we uh, picked some fresh oranges off of our tree and Barbara packaged them all up and, you know, sent them in a box uh, to them. Later this afternoon, I'm going up to my mom's house and I am going to watch the Super Bowl with my mom, okay? 89 years old and she wants to watch the Super Bowl. It's like, I'm in, let's go. So uh, that's what I'm going to do and I'm taking her the same thing, taking her some flour, some uh, uh, some seized candy uh, that, that Barbara picked up this week and take her some oranges off of our tree and stuff and just going to go up and just ha have a good time. It is so easy 
to love people like that. Okay, why is it easy? Well, it's easy because like Barbara and her parents and, and my mom, they love me unconditionally. They pray for me. They support me. They're, they're easy, easy to love. And it, isn't it easy to love people like that? It, 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 is, it is for me, at least, to, to just say, hey, you know, really appreciate all that you do. But what about the people that are a little less lovable in your life? And now everybody's smiling and everybody's saying, yeah, I got a few of those too. You know, I, I'm ready to express a happy BD to them. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's hard sometimes to express love, especially even, even as a Christian. It's hard to express love all the time to people that are not loving to you. Maybe it's uh, the boss or the employer that's just all over your case. Not easy to love them. What about the annoying neighbor? Has anybody ever had an annoying neighbor? If not, you should live next door to me. And I could, I could redefine annoying in your life. Uh, we, we, we've had some pretty annoying neighbors in, in our lifetime. Probably the, the I don't want to say the worst because yeah, Dan's the worst, but we, we had like the worst neighbors, the, uh, uh, the neighbors from other places. I'll just leave, leave it at that. But uh, we lived next door to a meth house where they were cooking meth. And for five years, just dealt with that. And it was just, it was awful. Can I just say that? And it was so hard to love those people, okay? Um, How about the person who insists that you believe politically the way they believe? Can can that be a little bit difficult? How about the the people who treat vaccines and mandates uh, on masks differently than the way you see it? Are, are they sometimes hard to love? What about the guy who runs into your truck and if not totals it, comes close to totaling it and yeah, I've got to love them too. Incidentally, that is what happened. Uh, the, the truck is drivable, but it might be totaled. How about the student at college who aced you out? of an internship. They're hard to love. They're hard to love. The coworker who basically stepped over you to get a promotion and treated you bad or lied about you. And yet, we're supposed to love them too? Oh, Valentine's Day, it's easy for us to love the lovable. But what about loving the unlovable? What does the Bible have to say about that? So let's see what God's word has to say. So if you have a Bible, have your phone, 
uh, open to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to be reading this particular passage out of the New Living Translation. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. In other words, it is just a bunch of topics that Christ was teaching on. And in chapter 5, towards the very end, we're going to pick up at verse 43, we have a little story. And this, uh, this particular sermon, obviously it's being preached by Jesus. He is the one speaking, and this is what he had to say. Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse number 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as, to, as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends sunlight, and he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Verse 46. If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So the command from Jesus is very simple. Love your enemy. No. His first command, his first command is love your neighbor. And for the most part, neighbors are probably easy people to love because they know you and you know them. But Jesus kind of carries it a little bit different. The Old Testament directive was love your neighbor. But Jesus adds these words and hate your enemy. In other words, Jesus knew this is the way people are actually living. The old, uh, the old Testament command of love your enemy did not include the words, or I'm sorry, love your neighbor, did not include the words hate your enemy. But Jesus puts them in here because he knows the natural tendencies of humans. And the natural tendency within us is wishing them a happy VD. And that is not what Christ has called us to. Christ has called us to live another lifestyle. You see, Jesus was always taking Old Testament commands and laws and adding to them new directives and new perspectives. Jesus' outlook on life for those people and for us today was very simply this. You have heard that the law says, da 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 but I say, do this. And when it comes to loving people, we say, okay, I can love my neighbor, but woe be it to my enemy. I will exact my revenge upon them. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way it's done. You see, Jesus opposes the traditional teaching and states a more demanding ethic from us. Christians must, it's not an option, we must love 
our enemies. And guys, let me just tell you, that's not all, always easy to do. It's not always easy to love your enemies. But that is the command and the ethic that Jesus wants from us. The true test of Christianity is how believers treat those people who are inclined to hate them or to persecute them. And the further we get into our broken world, the harder it is to love the unlovable. Guys, the moral and ethical decline that we have seen in our world in the last five years is incredible. And it becomes so easy for us as believers to say, oh, I love Jesus. There's no doubt about that. I love Jesus so much, but I can't stand that person. And Jesus says, no, no, we, you've got to love them. How else are people who do not have faith in Jesus Christ going to know about Jesus except if we love them? It is, uh, it's a predicament. See, people who love and greet their enemies and pray for their persecutors prove themselves to be those who are growing in conformity to the likeness of their heavenly Father. And that is the call to all of us, is to become like our heavenly Father and to love even the unlovable. Oh, yes, it's very easy to love the lovable, especially on a national holiday, you know, where we, we celebrate love. It's, it's easy to love and, and to show kindness to people. But again, when you're up against it and people are up against you, that is the true time to show the love of Christ in you. Matthew chapter 5, uh, that same chapter, just a couple verses up in verse 9, uh, it says this, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Sometimes loving people is work. It doesn't come naturally. But nevertheless, it is the mandate that God has placed on us, that we love those, even those who don't treat us right. A second rationale for loving one's enemies is just knowing this all the time, that God loves your enemies just as much as God loves you. Do you ever kind of look down on your enemies thinking, oh, oh, God, help those people those miserable, miserable people. Our kids were in a Christmas play years, years ago when they were children, and uh, one of the lines in, in the play just talked about wretched, wretched people. And it's like, oh, yeah. It's easy for me to call people wretched, wretched people. But then when I remember that God, he loves them 
just as much as he loves me. It's like, wow, put me in my place. Definitely puts me in my place. Let, let, me, let me bring some clarification to this. Let's go, go back and reread part of the passage. About halfway through verse 45. It says, For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. You know what that tells me? There is total equality with God. Everybody has an equal shot at having God in their life. You know when the sun came up today? It came up for the sinner as well as the righteous. The sun came up for the evil just like it came up for the good. I would talk about rain, but we don't get any rain. You know, only in Southern California do you have 90-degree Valentine's days. You know, the rest of the nation might be in a deep freeze, but we're here in the oven. But yet, God says, I will send my rain, and my rain will fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is an equal opportunity lover. How are you doing with that? Does, that? does that just sometimes kind of just like, oh, God, but this person? You actually love this person? Do you know what he did? Do you know what she said? Of course he does. Because he knows what you have said. And he knows what you have done. And when he knows what you and I have done, it's like, okay, it puts us on equal ground. Jesus is letting the people know that we, if we don't love on the unlovable, then we are no better than they are. We are just the same. In fact, I think we're a little bit below them. You know, my mom and dad, when I would do something wrong, used to use the line, you know better. Did you ever hear that from your parents? You know better. Yeah, I can see heads going up and down everywhere. You know better. As Christians, we need to know better and to say, you know what? I'm going to choose to love people no matter what. Jesus said this in John chapter 13. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you call yourself a Christ follower, then you have to love the unlovable. It is one of the mandates of Christianity, that you love the unlovable. And then Jesus drops a bomb, just drops an absolute bomb at the end of this passage. And his bomb is found in verse 48 of chapter 5. And Jesus says very directly, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Pummer of a verse. Wait a second, God. You want me to be perfect? You want me to be perfect? Like you are perfect? That is just a standard way too high for me. You see, I relate more with Romans 3.23 
that simply says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Okay, that's me. For all have sinned and fall short. I, I am really good at the falling short aspect. But this whole concept of me being perfect, like God the Father is perfect, uh, that's just way above my pay grade. How many people feel that, feel that way? I, I, I know, I know with, when I read that the first time, and, and I, have, I have read this and reread it and read it and reread it over the years and say, how in the world can I ever be perfect the way that God was perfect? I, I, I read other verses. In 1 John 4.12, it says, If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected, in us. 1 Peter 5:10 says, "The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you." So only God, only God can make you perfect. And then Colossians 3:14 says, "Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity." The emphasis in the command to be perfect is not a command given on a flawless moral nature, but on an all-inclusive love that seeks the good of all. Instead of following the examples of sinners who love only those who love them, we are to be like the Father and also loving those who don't love us. In other words, Paul put it this way, but God showed love, I'm sorry, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while, while we were still sinners. Pretty cool, huh? You know what? He set the example he said, I'll show you that I can love my enemies. I'll die for you. Did you know at one point in time, we were all enemies of God? Until we accepted the love of Jesus Christ in us, we were God's enemy. We were, we were the bad guys. We were the worst. There is a, a video on YouTube. And if you haven't seen it, you just need to see it because it's seriously what every pastor from time to time has, has thought. I don't even know the name of it, but all you have to do is look up, Dan, you're the worst. And it just shows, it, it, it's all made up, but it, it just shows his pastor up there uh, and he just starts railing on his congregation. He said, you guys are making me look bad in front of God. Don't be bad. Be good. And then he goes, a guy in his congregation goes, Dan, you're the worst. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay, don't worry. That's not going to happen here at Legacy Church. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not going to point people out. But yet, you know what? God looks at us and he says, at one time, you fell you were the worst because you were my enemy. You were not serving me. You were not loving me. So until we come to that point 
in our lives is saying, Jesus, take over all the areas of my life. You know, I love, I love that, that song, the last song that you guys were singing, Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. Amazing grace. Grace is basically unmerited favor. We have all been the recipients of God's unmerited favor. Why? Because he chose to love us. So the word perfect, when he says, be perfect the way your heavenly father is perfect, is is not perfect in a moral sense, but it's perfect in that the, the word actually is a Greek word, uh, teleos, which means to be mature or complete or whole or growing or developing. So it's like, oh, aha. I may not be perfect on a complete moral level, but I can be perfect in that I can attain maturity. In other words, I can grow up. You can grow up. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. But all good things take work and effort. But that's how, that's how we know that we are truly following Christ. We, we have a word for this in, uh, in theology. It's called sanctification. And sanctification is simply the act of maturity. It is the act of growing spiritually. Sanctification doesn't happen instantaneously. It happens over the long haul. Okay? It's not not a sprint. It's like, oh, I've asked Jesus to forgive me my sins. Therefore, now I am complete. Don't I look good? No, 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 no. To be complete, perfect in God's eyes is a continual day-by-day, moment-by-moment exercise. Isaiah says it this way, that we grow line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's how we grow. That's how we grow in Christ. You may not notice it today, but you keep serving him. You may not notice it tomorrow, but you keep loving on people. And you do that day after day after day, then all of a sudden you can look back and think, oh, wow, I remember where I was then and where I am now. And God, thank you. Thank you for helping me love unlovable people. Thank you for helping me, helping me share your love with other people. Okay, let me, let me just take a, a quick poll here. How many people have somebody in your life that you can think of during this sermon right now that is unlovable? Okay, anybody that doesn't have your hand up? Probably lying. No. <laughs> we, we, all have, we all have those people, don't we? We all have them. And can I just tell you something? little spoiler alert. It's never going away. There will always be people that are unlovable in your life. And 
If there are not, you're probably not living life the way Christ wants you to. You see, more and more as believers, we are walking around with targets on us. If people know that you are a believer, then you're a target. I used to say about being a pastor, it's one job where people put you up on a pedestal so they can pick you off. And that's how, that's how it is, though, just being a Christian. People put you up on a pedestal, but they just want to pick you off, maybe with rocks, maybe with insults, maybe with however they can, but that's, that's what they want. But Christ's imperative to us is simply this. Love perfectly. Love perfectly. That's how come I call this a sermon, perfect love. Is there any such thing as perfect natural love? No, no. Uh, in fact, if you want more details about that, just ask Barbara what it's like to live with me for 36 years. And she can tell you that love is not perfect. Okay? But yet, our, in our relationship with Christ... We can attain perfection, not as in morally perfect, but in maturing, in growing, in every day saying, you know what, I want to be more like Jesus. I need more of Jesus in my life. The, the, the word perfect, uh, teleos uh, in, in the Greek, but if you look it up in Aramaic, and the New Testament is written in, in Aramaic and in Greek, the word perfect in Aramaic carries with it a kind of a nuance. And the nuance of the word perfect is merciful. So the command is not simply be perfect, but be perfect with mercy. Ooh, that doesn't make this verse any easier on me. I'm always supposed to be merciful. We live in a merciless society. And yet God calls us to show his love and his mercy. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I struggle. I struggle with being judgmental. I'll, I'll just be, be honest and vulnerable with you. I can be judgmental against people who don't share the same viewpoint that I share. I can be judgmental, but I can't afford to be. I've got to show mercy. I've got to show true Christian love to those. Do you find yourself not just loving people, but do you ever find yourself outright hating people. And a lot of times when we think of the opposite of love, the opposite of love is not necessarily hate. The opposite of love is really just being apathetic. Oh, I really don't care about them. Do you ever think to yourself, oh, they can just go to hell. If you're not sharing the love of Jesus, that's right where they're going. And you're going to be walking with them. 
It is a command from Jesus Christ and a command from God. Love one another. Not just on February 14th, and Kellen, you just need to know Valentine's Day is February 14th each year, okay? I, I, I heard you on the, uh, on the lobby this morning. <laughs> so just a little, little thing to put on your calendar there. <laughs> no, it, yeah, on, on February 14th, sure, it's easy. But every single day, every single day, we are called by Christ to be lovers of people to be lovers of a world that is so messed up, that is so confused, that looks at right and calls it wrong and looks at wrong and calls it right. We need, we need to share the love of God with those people because they are the ones that desperately need it. In our values, and I'm going to close with this, so Grace, if you guys want to go ahead and make your way up. In our values of Legacy Church. Uh, we chose to use the acrostic of the, of the name Legacy. And the L of Legacy simply means lead with love. You know, that's what's missing in our culture. Barbara and I were talking the other night and just how more and more we're seeing like road rage just people driving angrily. Me first. I want my way. We need to show love. We need to show mercy to people that are around us. To the boss that has unfairly put you down, you need to show that boss love to the one who has basically used you as a stepping stone to move on in their life, we need to show mercy and love to them. This is the perfect love. Not so much because it's Valentine's Day, but because it is God's way. God's way is for us to love one another. God demonstrated his great love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The ultimate act of love. Would you bow your heads? Father, right now, I just pray for every person that can hear this message, whether online or in person. God, we thank you for your great love and your mercy that you have shown to each one of us. We pray, Jesus, that you would be close to us, that you would help us. Lord, help us to take the love that you have shown us and to share it with other people. Oh God, we need you desperately. Lord, I wanna thank you that your word says that while I was a sinner, you sent your son to die for me. When I was your enemy, you still chose to love me. I thank you for that. If you are here today and you would say, you know what? I've never really accepted Jesus Christ and his love in my life. 
And, and I just see that I need, I need Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin and to, to basically heal my heart, heal my life, heal my brokenness. If you're here, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you that Jesus would forgive you of all of your sins. Yes, yes. Anyone else that would just say, I, I, just, I, I just want Jesus, more of Jesus. For those of you watching online, if you would just reach out to us, just say, I raised my hand or use a little emoji. But just let us know so we can pray with you and pray for you. That's what we want. Man, I'm so grateful for the ones that have, have raised their hand here in person. And you can put your hands right back down. I am so grateful that, that Jesus' perfect love, his mature, whole love, is being shared right now with people. Perhaps you were here today and you would say, you know what? I have asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin. Oh yeah, I'm, that, that's all been taken care of. But I struggle. I struggle with loving some people that have done me wrong. I struggle with either the boss or the other student or uh, uh, the neighbor or what, whatever. The person who cut you off or the person who, who cut in front of you at the store. Whatever, whatever you face. But you would say, you know what? I, I, I need to become perfect in my love for other people. And I'm, I'm just not there. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you as well. Yeah, just go, go ahead and raise your hand if you would say, you know what, that, that's me. I'm, I'm not perfect. Yes, 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 yes. A lot of hands are going up. You can put your hands right back down. You just need to know today the love that Jesus Christ has. I'm going to invite you to stand, and the worship team is going to, uh, they're going to sing. And as they are singing, if you raised your hand either to accept the love of Christ for the first time or to recommit your life to Christ, if you're here, I want to invite you to come forward. If you raised your hand and say, said, yes, I, I need help in, in loving some other people that have been very unlovable to me, I, I want you to come forward. So if you would just go ahead and stand right now, and as the worship team, as the worship team plays and sings, I just want to invite you to come forward and just line up across here. I just want to, I want to pray with you that God will be near you. Worship team. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Leave a comment and rate this podcast, but make sure to give us five stars. In the description, you can find the website, the socials, and all that good stuff. Special thanks to those who give generously. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to partner with us, you can click the link in the description below. Join us live on Sundays, either in person or on YouTube or Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.